0: This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Apologies to anybody who wants to talk about anything else besides the Timberwolves game today. This show is all Timberwolves after the 109-104 win over the Clippers late Tuesday in that play-in game. I had a whole bunch of other notes jotted down. Talk about Twins. Talk about the Wild and their big 5-1 win over Edmonton. Talk about the WNBA and how they need to expand because it's ridiculous that players who get drafted in 2022 probably a lot of them won't have a spot on WNBA rosters that's all going to have to wait because there was just so much that happened in that game Tuesday night so many different angles so many different things to get to that I got to spend the whole show talking about that so Here's what's going to happen today. we got a lot of different things, a lot of different pieces to that, a lot of things I want to talk about. Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer, checked in. I think he sent me, a. I have him do these things called voicemails where, they, where the beat writers send me sometimes um, an audio clip of them just kind of breaking down the game. His got to me at, I think, 4.16 a.m. on Wednesday, so that is how late Chris Hine was up working on stuff, working on, you know, probably getting ready for that Memphis series, which now starts at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday in Memphis, um, writing everything he could from that dramatic 109-104 win over the Clippers, everything like that. So I will play that voicemail from Chris Hine in a little bit. I want to play you some post-game clips from head coach Chris Finch, from Patrick Beverly, one of the stars of the win, and from D'Angelo Russell, certainly one of the stars from the win, but let's unpack it as best we can, because you know going in, I think the narrative was clippers were a tough matchup for the for the wolves, right The Clippers had beaten them three times early in the year. The wolves had gotten them once in January, but that was without Paul George. Paul George had come back to this team late in the year, and they'd gone on a little run, got themselves into good playoff play in position, and you thought, okay, this is not who you want to see in that seven eight game, right this is a you know, this is a team that's playoff tested, that made a deep playoff run a year ago, even without Kawhi Leonard. This is a team that, you know, has a lot of experience. Paul George has played in a hundred and eight playing game or hundred eight playoff games. Hundred eight playing games would be weird. Hundred eight playoff games in his career. There's plenty of other playoff experience on that side as well. Carl Anthony Towns has played in five. D'Angelo Russell has played in five. Anthony Edwards has played in zero, so you didn't really know what was going to happen in the moment with those, you know, inexperienced, young, you know, in in Ant's case, young. I wouldn't wouldn't say D'Lo and Kat are young anymore, but inexperienced, particularly when it comes to big moments. You didn't know what was going to happen, and in moments like that, it seems like it will favor the team that has a lot more experience, and for about three and a half quarters, I think that played out in this game, right? The, the Wolves look, looked rattled early. I know they got off to a quick start. and had their first seven points, but then the Clippers went on a big run. Carl Anthony Towns looked out of sorts all night. You know, it wasn't just the foul trouble early. It was him rushing shots, forcing shots. The Clippers were sending hard double teams at him. Didn't really seem like he knew how to respond in that moment, whether it was the coverages that you know Ty Lu, who's a very good defensive coach. Whether it was the coverages they were throwing at him, whether it was the moment, whether it was a combination of you know missing a couple shots early, than finding some early foul trouble that got him off his game. Cat was not on his game all night. So right there, there's a problem, right? That's your all star. That's your you know one of your max players. That's a player that you are counting on. That you have needed. Anytime something good has tended to happen this year, it's been because Cat has done something good. That is your best player. So. He's in foul trouble. He's playing poorly, and you're you're in a, you're in a game against a, an 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 experienced team, and you have you lack that experience. So everything seemed to be tilted against the Wolves from the early part of the game. And I'll get to the officiating here in a little bit, which I thought was fine. A lot of you were ready to um, blame the officials if that one hadn't gone their way, but actually, I think they I think the the officiating in of that game, by and large, was good. And uh, so we'll, we'll get to that here, too, in, in a minute. But you know, just from the looks of it at the beginning, it didn't have the feel of something that was going to go go the Wolves' way. A lot of narratives were emerging that seemed like, okay, yeah, you, know, you can see some of these guys are tight. You can see that they weren't quite ready for this moment. I didn't get that sense from Ant. I, I got the sense from the jump that he was ready for this moment. I got the sense from Cat that he was not ready for this moment, whether it was just a one-game thing or whether... That's a deeper problem. It will probably get revealed a little bit more now that they overcame all that and got to a seven-game series and not a one-game series. But that felt bad from the start. That said, they somehow managed to get a lead at halftime. You know, they played good defense, I would say, for most of that first half, but the offense was just bogging down. D'Angelo Russell starts making some shots, though. All of a sudden, they're up two. At the break, and you're thinking, okay, uh, they got to feel good about that with the way Cat's going right now. Maybe he can get something going, even though he had four fouls at halftime. Maybe he can get something going in the second half, and they can find a way to pull this out. Well, second half was the same story, right? Cat keeps, uh, you know, keeps struggling, gets on the board a little bit at least in that third quarter with with some buckets, but you know, picks up another foul, and ultimately fouls out. Um, in the middle of the fourth quarter, and here's here's the exact scenario when Anthony e. Towns fouled out. And by the way, he earned all six of those fouls, so don't go blaming anybody else but Cat for those six fouls. So here's the scenario when Cat fouled out. It was a loose ball foul. Um, seven thirty-four left in the fourth quarter. A lot of time left. Wolves were down at that point, ninety-three to eighty-six, and obviously. The uh, the Clippers had the ball also because Towns had just committed a foul, so they're down seven. Best players out of the game, no momentum at all, and from that point forward, from ninety three eighty six when Cat fouls out,
1: take a playcation to Mystic Lake for twenty four seven gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join
0: Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is playday. The Wolves outscored the Clippers twenty-three to eleven. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. I did not expect that. That was a lot of what Chris Hine mentioned in his voicemail. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself from talking for a minute and let him get some words in because that was the big theme of his of his uh of of what he had to say after the game it was just you know the surprise, the different gear the Wolves found once Cat fouled out in this game.
2: Carl Anthony Towns goes out with about seven and a half minutes to go in that game. And I'll be honest, I was thinking that the game was pretty much over. I thought so at that point. I thought the Clippers, who were up at the time by, I think, seven, were on their way to a victory. And the Wolves were just going to have to try and regroup, try to get in the playoffs on Friday night. But this team showed me something that, was missing, I think, in the last couple of seasons. They won that game with toughness. They won it with defense. They won it with rebounding. They won it with all these things that have been missing over the last couple of years. And for whatever reason, whether it's growth of young players, whether it's the Patrick Beverly effect, the Chris Chris Finch effect, they they found something and they found something over the last year. Uh, To really dig deep and and come up with a win in a tough situation against a very good, experienced, uh, playoff-tested team in the Clippers. That was, I think, a very impressive win. Towns goes out. D'Angelo Russell has one of his finest nights in a Timberwolves uniform. Anthony Edwards, the big stage, didn't bother him. He relished the opportunity to show what he can do on a national stage. Just a, a magnificent game. From the both of them. Uh, Paul George got his for the Clippers, but Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt didn't make it easy on him. Uh, Other than that, the Wolves, I think, you know, they played fantastic defense most of the night. Uh, Patrick Beverly gets one over on the team that traded him away. Uh, And you saw the celebration afterwards him jumping up on the scorer's table, letting out a few yells, embracing his teammates, shedding a few tears even um but i yeah i really the wolf showed me something this is my fourth year on the beat um i can't recall a time that they've played better When Carl Anthony Towns has not been on the floor, whether it's because of foul trouble or because he was injured or or what have you, you know, very rarely does does it all come together when Towns isn't on the floor. It seems like he's always a part of their winning moments, um, either because he himself is responsible for for a lot of the production or his presence on the floor allows others to thrive that wasn't the case for those last seven and a half minutes and for a lot of the first half as well. But the Wolves, like I said, they've found something. and I think that they have grown a lot over the past season, from last season to this season and within this season. This This kind of victory doesn't happen a year ago. This kind of victory doesn't happen back in November or October when the Clippers beat them three times. I think a game like this happens and the Clippers win that game if it's in October or November. This is a different Wolves team. They now go on to play Memphis the first round of the playoffs uh, Saturday afternoon and then on Tuesday. That's a lot of time in Memphis for your traveling beat writer to get some Memphis barbecue. We'll try not to go too far overboard with that. Um, and I think it's going to be an exciting series. Uh, John Morant versus Anthony Edwards, a fantastic matchup of the future of the NBA. Timberwolves, I think, feel like they match up well with Memphis. They beat them twice. Feel like they probably should have beat them maybe even two other times this season. Uh, probably felt like they should have swept the season series. Um, but the playoffs are a different animal. Memphis has played well all season. I think it's going to be a good series and, and can't wait to get going.
0: I found that gear largely because their other two out of the big three uh, showed up in a big way. D'Angelo Russell probably played one of his five best games in a Wolves uniform and maybe considering what was at stake. Uh, it it might have been his best game. 29 points in this game on 10 of 18 shooting, made three of his five three-pointers, five rebounds, six assists, three steals, only one turnover, played 37 minutes. Big bucket after big bucket. I mean, in the second and the fourth quarter in particular, when the game was kind of going sideways, D'Lo took over, made that huge uh, pull-up three uh, in transition. I believe it was the the, the go-ahead bucket in the fourth quarter that gave the Wolves a lead after they'd been kind of you know, clawing back, clawing back, clawing back, trying to get back in this thing after Cat had gone out. Yeah, it was that transition uh, transition three that gave him a 97-95 lead. Edwards makes a dunk coming right out of that, um, you know, to give them a, a four-point cushion. You know, and the rest of the way, it's not like it was uh, smooth sailing, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, Ant made another three somewhere in there. They did not trail the rest of the way after Delo made that uh, – made that three-pointer in transition, so a huge game for him. Anthony Edwards, um, equally impressive. I mean, this is a guy, you know, 20 years old still, right? Second year in the league. You, you, you never know what to expect from players like that in that moment, right? You, you don't know what to expect because they haven't been here before. You can imagine that Anthony Edwards, just kind of knowing his personality, knowing his demeanor, is going to be ready for this moment. But you don't know. You just don't know because these guys haven't been in this moment before. This is a play-in game, right? I know it's not the playoffs, but to a certain degree, it it's more pressure-filled than game one of a playoff series, right? You you lose game one, you've got a lot of time left to make up for it. You you, you, you get four losses in a series before you are done in the play-in. I mean, I know the Wolves had another chance if they would have lost this game because they would have gotten the, the the winner of San Antonio and New Orleans with it with still with that berth on the line, but basically it's it's like being deep in a series to play a play in game, right? This is a you know it, it's like you got to win if if you are going to to keep playing, so it takes on a certain urgency that even sometimes a playoff series doesn't take on. So that is his first taste of the postseason. I'm not calling it the playoffs; the play in play is not the playoffs, but it is the postseason. Ten of 21 for Anthony Edwards from the field, five of 11 from three point range. Five rebounds, two assists, one steal, thirty points. He was a plus four on the night. Did not force things when the game started to kind of go against him, or didn't didn't flow to him. Um, just a really impressive performance by Anthony Edwards. You know, was good on defense, especially in that fourth quarter when everybody was guarding. The Clippers only had twenty points in that third in that fourth quarter. You know, just important lockdown moments, important possessions where the Clippers. Could not get anything. So that to me, I mean, those two guys had tw- you know had 59 combined points. Those guys made up for the fact that Cat finished with 11 points, four turnovers, fouled out after just 24 minutes, was a minus 14 on the night, did not make a three-pointer on the night. The, you know, the NBA three-point champion from the uh, All-Star break didn't make a three the whole night. You put that stat line out there and they still win the game that is a that is shocking to me um but you know this is a team that's been persevering all season long and so that's you know but that said I don't I don't I don't think we could have expected them to have that level of you know compete in this game when Cat was was so bad in this game but that's you know that's what good teams do and uh, I think Chris Finch gets a lot of credit for that win as well the head coach of the Timberwolves let's hear from Chris Finch right now just talking post game about uh, about the but just kind of about the the, the way that game unfolded
1: it wasn't cat's game and um, it really opened up the floor a lot and we were able to get by their uh, by their defenders with a lot of drives race their switches um, get to the heart of their paint and um, you know it's so it was you know we knew we knew when we put them back out there we were taking a risk early but we figured we'd go then, and if we lost them, um, you know we would have been playing pretty well without them, so that gave us confidence.
0: Now Finch in his post game comments, I'm not going to play this one. But he talked a lot about the defense, how they guarded all night. D'Angelo Russell very good on defense of the night. That brings me to a couple of maybe the unsung, overlooked heroes from this game. Um, you know, at, you know, we talk about the big three. Top of the list for unsung heroes got to be Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, one of the shortest guys on the court, right? Not a tall, not a tall player. You got guys seven, eight inches taller than Patrick Beverly, um, who is listed. Uh, you know, I don't even know if the listed height is correct, but he's listed at six one. He seems like you know he's one of the shortest guys on the court. Eleven rebounds for Patrick Beverly in this game in 33 minutes. Nobody else on the court had more rebounds than that, even though he is. Probably one of the shortest guys in the court, if not the shortest guy on the court. On uh, on Tuesday night, you could tell how bad he wanted it. Did not have a great shooting night: two of eight from the field, one of five from three point range, two of four from his free throws. But his defense, his rebounding, had three assists, had a steal, had a block. Um, that's an unsung performance. That's a guy who wanted it. That's a guy who kept this thing together to a certain degree, along with Jared Vanderbilt, who only took two shots but affected the game defensively. And Jaden McDaniels, again, another young guy like Anthony Edwards, making his postseason debut. He was a plus 9. He was assigned a jo- assigned to guard Paul George for a lot of the night. Had five fouls but did a pretty good job of it. I mean, Paul George got his 34 points. That That's fine. Paul George is going to get his, but he had to take 24 shots to get him. Only made 10. Had a good shooting night from three, six of twelve. I think a lot of those were fairly well contested. Um, so what the Wolves did was they made Paul George work. They made everybody else on the Clippers have to work, and uh, and the, and that's an event. That's a that's how they got it done defensively. And only giving up 104 in a postseason game is awfully impressive. Now, Patrick Beverly after the game, you could tell how much he wanted this one. Not not to, not a secret. Not when he jumps up on the scores table. Not when he's jawing. At all the Clippers players, and of course Patrick Beverly, a a member of the Clippers before you know before this, this is his former team. And you know, he played four se- four seasons with the Clippers. Played thirty one playoff games with the Clippers. Um, so when he gets traded in the offseason to Memphis temporarily, um, you know there's a lot of emotions for him. He's an emotional guy. He's a guy who you know kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. Always been undersized. You know a scrappy you know scrappy guard. You know second round pick in the 2009 draft said to work really hard for everything's he got 33 years old maybe written off a little bit well this game you could tell how much it meant to him you could tell how much it meant when he jumped on the scorer's table when he's jawing at everybody and i loved it i love watching guys who have that pure joy in the moment maybe a little bit of it is performative i don't care it's it's fun to watch it is you know it's a genuine reaction for the most part it's how he felt in the moment. Here's Patrick Beverly after the game talking about what this meant to him.
1: Um, man, we played a really good team. I'm going to try to sound real humble, but I know you know that's going to leave in about two seconds. But we, we played a real good team, well coached. Uh, obviously, emotions behind it, you know, uh, uh, former team. Man, I wanted this so bad. I wanted this one so bad. Uh, this is just the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, to play in, to be able to beat them. Um, I mean, another goal scratched off. I told you it was going to the playoffs. Everybody, mostly all of y'all looked at me like I was crazy. When I first said that, I f- told y'all.
0: And I think a lot of that was for the fans, right? Some of it was for Patrick Beverly. He was he was letting loose with some steam, letting loose with some emotion after that game because of the Clippers and everything that he, he had gone through with them. But part of it was just for this fan base. You could tell the energy in Target Center You know, there hasn't been a lot to cheer about here. Let's let's be honest. They they've made the playoffs now twice since the two thousand four season. The other time they made it was with Jimmy Butler. That was a joyless slog, a death march to forty seven wins. They got to the playoffs and got absolutely smoked by the Rockets in five games, and then everything fell apart. So that that brief glimpse at winning wasn't even that much fun, you know, four years ago. Now here comes a guy, Patrick Beverly Leading a younger team, you know, being the being a, a heart and soul guy for a younger team, and this fan base has gotten way behind Patrick Beverly, gotten, you know, a lot of fun watching this year's team. And so I think that moment of joy is more for them than it was for anybody else. And here's Chris Finch, the head coach again, talking about the crowd and the energy post game.
1: Yeah, I mean it was incredible. Walking out there for the jump ball, you can just tell. Um that it was going to be an electric night. Crowd was into it from the jump. You know, they really, they spurred us on when we were down a bit. Um, you know, we made great, great plays that brought them to life. And uh, it was, it was, un- it was real unreal, you know. Um, you know, our crowds have been great. They've been building all, all season. Um, we've said it many times, like, probably the most, uh, most flattering thing that's said, is said to me is that I like to watch your team play. You know, and that gives me great pride.
0: Now, did they celebrate a little too hard for a play-in game? I don't know. I don't care. I I, I like genuine reactions. And, you know, TNT, they're raining on the Wolves parade after the game. They're playing the We Are the Champions, you know, montage after they come back from break. And admittedly, it was a little bit funny. It did feel like the Wolves had won something more than just a play-in game based on the way they were celebrating. But you know what? They're in the playoffs now. That's a big deal. That is a big deal to this team. That is a big deal to this franchise. So, I don't know. I don't know why somebody want to steal somebody else's joy. Would want to tell someone else how to react in a moment that they did not experience. Um, you know maybe if Charles Barkley had ever won a championship, he would understand um, that there's you know moments that are bigger than the game themselves. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just me talking right now. But I feel like that was. However, you react in a moment is is your business, not anybody else's business. We didn't, you know, you didn't watch this all happen just to be muted in your response. And, you know, some players were more reserved. I think D'Angelo Russell, in the immediate TNT post game interview, you know, said, "Yeah, we we expected to win this game. We expected to take care of business on our home court. To get, you know, we felt like we were the seventh seed. We had to go through this extra obstacle." Um, extra obstacle to get through to this, you know, to, to get that to get that seven seed. But we expected this, and now it's on to Memphis. Um, you know, and again, like I said, D'Angelo Russell, huge part of this game. Um, just kind of, you know, when things were bogging down, he was the calm and cool presence. I think that was the case after the game as well. But here is a little D'Angelo Russell clip from post game as well, just talking about what he saw out there and what he felt like he brought to this game too.
1: A lot of teams. Um guarded us and, and made us play, you know, we, we put up points all year. We put up, we scored at a high rate, but when teams made us play in the half court, how are we going to affect the game? And I feel like that's my strength. You know, when a team slows the game down, you got to think it and you got to capitalize on their mistakes and, and let the game come. Like I said, I don't want to force it because I can pass out of a bad shooting night, you know, and I can shoot myself out of a big turnover game so it's just like um just taking what they give recognizing it sooner the better
0: now part of the reason this is so important too is this is a fan base you know not just timberwolves but minnesota in general that does not expect good things to happen that is almost looking for reasons for bad things to happen and i saw this happening pre-game i saw this happening with people saw the officiating crew that was assigned to this game ed Malloy of the of the uh, infamous doe ed Malloy. Moment with Kevin Love so many years ago. Um, this crew, you know, maybe had a proclivity to favor um, larger market teams, and people started dissecting, you know, fouls called in games against the the Wolves and Clippers, and they were you know, there was barking at the officials, there was complaining on Twitter about the officials for the entire game. You know what? I know the narrative could have been a lot different. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But by and large, this game was officiated well. And this goes to show you don't have to be afraid all the time of what is going to happen, of some sort of negative thing that's going to happen. What if I told you um, that the Clippers were actually called for more fouls in this game than the Timberwolves, 28-26? What if I told you that the Wolves shot 37 free throws and the Clippers shot 27? Um you know, it, it I, I know Carl Anthony Towns fouled out. Carl Anthony Towns earned every one of those fouls. Like I said earlier, he he had some dumb fouls. He had some fouls where he just was reaching, and every time he did, it just looked like he was, you know, begging and pleading not to get the call, but he was he you know, he gets in these moments where something doesn't go his way, and then he picks up these dumb fouls because he's trying to either overcompensate or he's stuck in this headspace. Like all of those calls against Carl Anthony Towns were, were in fact uh, were in fact warranted. The only moment I thought was a little suspect was that early, I think it was early third quarter when Patrick Beverly and uh, Marcus Morris Jr. were kind of getting into it, and it looked like they were going to call, I'm sorry, Marcus Morris Sr. were getting into it, and uh, I thought they were going to call a double technical and kick Marcus Morris out of the game, and in fact, that's what it looked like they were doing at the outset. Then they rescinded it, called it just on Patrick Beverly. Um, that said, I'd hate to see for Marcus Morris to get kicked out of the game for a moment like that because he had a technical already. So all in all, that was probably a a way to smooth that moment out, even if it looked suspect at the time. The rest of the game, some calls that are going to go your way, some calls that don't go your way. By and large, I thought the officiating was fine. And, you know, that said, I'm sure people would have used that as an excuse had this game turned out differently. Let's finish with that thought and look ahead to Memphis. Imagine the narrative today if the Wolves had lost this game, not just with officiating, but imagine the narrative around Carl Anthony e. Towns if they had lost that game and now we're in a true do-or-die game uh, later this week against either San Antonio or the Pelicans. You know, imagine what we'd be talking about now. We'd be crushing Carl Anthony e. Towns right now way more than we are if not for the way D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly played in those final seven-plus minutes when he after he fouled out. So that just goes to show you how the narrative of sports is so dependent on very limited sample size outcomes like what happened in the final 734 didn't change anything about Carl Anthony e. Towns performance all it did was show you that the Wolves can be better than just a team led by Carl e. Towns Hughes absolutely needs to be a thousand percent better than that when they get to this next series against Memphis people would have been barking about that all day today instead the narrative is this wonderful comeback the poise they showed and what and the plays they made down the stretch, the shots D'Angelo Russell made down the stretch, instead of the deficiencies of Carl Anthony Towns. So think about that. Nothing about that's changed. He still has a lot to prove going forward. Now this Memphis series, let's finish with the cooler. This Memphis series is going to be very interesting because the Wolves played pretty well against Memphis this year. They split that series against the against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies don't have a ton of playoff experience. This is the matchup. That if you are a Wolves fan, you have been wanting all along if they got to the postseason, right? For a while it looked like they're gonna have to get the number six seed in order to jump up and get Memphis as a three. Well, Memphis shot past Golden State and when Golden State had those had all those injury problems and Memphis got on a tear. So now Memphis is the two seed, you know, locked in there for a while. The Wolves as the seven seed will definitely be an underdog. That said, they do match up pretty well against Memphis. And again, matchups are what matchups are. We thought the Clippers matched up pretty well against the Wolves, and the Wolves ended up winning in a one-game setting. This is a seven-game setting. I expect this to be a series. I expect this to, to to go you know, back and forth a little bit. I'm not saying I expect the Wolves to win this series. I'm not even expecting this to be a seven-game series, but I expect this to be a series. As good as Memphis has been this year, as good as John Morant is, as good as their supporting cast is, I expect this to be a competitive series that the Wolves can take at least a game, at least maybe two games, and make this really competitive in, in a way that uh, will really serve them well going forward. And if they get into a deep series, who knows? Game one is Saturday afternoon, 2.30. That's kind of a nice uh, nice, fun start time for, uh, for this whole thing. So it goes Saturday, Tuesday in Memphis, then Thursday is the first one at Target Center, Thursday the 21st. The 23rd, also on Saturday at Target Center, and then the rest to be determined, um, you know, time wise and whatnot, if they are necessary or not. But that would be Tuesday, uh, the 26th in Memphis, Friday the 29th back at Target Center, and then Sunday May 1st would be a Game Seven. So we'll see about all of that. But you know, like I said, um, the Wolves celebrated hard. They celebrated because this was a catharsis. This was a a win that they needed to get to uh, To feel like they, you know, to feel like they had really arrived this season, you know, winning, winning a, winning and getting into the playoffs, having to take that extra, you know, extra step, uh, I think ultimately will be good for them. Now, how good it'll be for them, how much it matters once they get into that series with uh, with Memphis, I don't know, but I think they got to feel pretty good about themselves going into it, and they've got to feel pretty good about how, especially D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards looked in that moment. That will do it for today. All Timberwolves talk, like I said, today. We'll get into a lot of other things on Thursday's show, but probably some more Timberwolves talk too because that hangover is going to last for a while. Thanks so much for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again on Thursday.